got dirty bones here, Saber. Come on now and fight. You need to be more like a dog. We don't need a bunch of cats in here. Yeah, looking in the mirror. Be a dog. Whatever happens in leash, it's always a scandal. Why do you think that was? Probably because we're always drinking it. <laughs> no smoke without fire. That goes to light. I met Tommaso Shea one day and he said, I'm sick of that northern crowd. He said, if they went set dancing twice a week, we'd all be set dancing twice a week. I can remember a lad, Jay Booth, right? And he was getting sick, right mine like that, <laughs> looking at me like, and I'm going, this is not helping me. Every man, woman and monkey in me all is nearly right in the mouth. Shake the bucket! That's it! Okay, on our panel today, George Callahan, recently retired footballer, spent his career on both sides of the Irish Sea, most notably at Cork City and Ipswich Town. You're very welcome. Uh, Eamon O'Hara, Sligo legend, who's played in the last 19 years of Championship football, uh, an all-star as well. Mick O'Keefe, former Dublin footballer, former striker with Shamrock Rovers, now the MD of Pembroke Communications. There's one thing which has been uh, burning up the airwaves and um, social media over the last 24, 48 hours, and that's Jerry Kiernan. So just in case anybody missed it, I'm going to play you a little clip. Have a listen. Jamie talks about training 22 times in 21 days. Well, now, the Joe Sweeney, the person I advert today, he trains 42 times in 20 days. They train twice a day, and I'm excluding gym sessions because they're not, they're not running sessions at all. There's absolutely no comparison because I believe myself that the GA people, they live in a cloistered world and they don't think beyond what they do themselves and they tell themselves that they're training hard. And as well, I often notice as well, when they're commenting on things, they're always talking about the sacrifices they make. You'll never hear that amongst athletes, boxers, swimmers, or people who do international running or international sports. They never do that at all. But always with the guy, it's always, always sacrifice. I now, thought I do. You hear all sports people talk about sacrifices. Uh, that they make. I, don't, I don't think so, Owen. I don't think so at all. Anytime I have... Now, maybe I'm extra sensitive to this but any time I ever listen to them they all talk about the sacrifices they're making Oh, and there are a number of there are a number of athletes who get involved in 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 coaching, look, looking after the, the the fitness element of of, of guard players, and, and when you talk to them afterwards, they'll tell you how poor they are fitness wise. Now I know they don't require the fitness of an Olympic athlete. Uh, to play Gaelic games. Jerry, do you think it's possible for uh, GA players holding them full-time jobs to cram any more training into their days and still uh, live a normal, well, live a relatively uh, oh, normal life with, with, with families, etc.? Sorry, on, hold on, on. That kind of talk really, you know, it's, it's, it doesn't make much of an impression on me because I'll tell you what, most of the people I deal with are actually students. They're actually working. I was working myself. I mean, when I ran in my Olympic Games, I was teaching I was teaching 44 kids in a class up to a few a few weeks before us. And that's not that long ago. So most people I know, in actual fact, involved in athletics um, are, I mean, they're all working. I mean, the, the amount of money they're getting, I mean, is buttons. I would only give if there's if there is if there's a final amount of money involved. I would only give money to people who are competing internationally. Full stop. So no GEA players. Absolutely none. Jerry Kiernan speaking on off the ball to uh, Owen McDevitt. James O'Connor is also on the line as well. There, um, Eamon O'Hara, you're a noted fatty in the GEA world. Uh, completely incapable of looking <laughs> after yourself. <laughs> a cold horse. <laughs> Uh, what did you make of Jerry's comments? Uh, Jerry's comments surprised me a little bit. Um, you know, I'm not coming on here to sort of say it's you know it's not going to be tit for tat with me and, and and Jerry Kiernan. I think I've for the last twenty years I've watched Jerry Kiernan talking about athletics and I admired some of the things he said. He can be off the cuff sometimes and he can be very very straightforward. I just think on this case I think it's sort of probably more of an uneducated uh, comment that he's after making you know um, it's probably two things it's an uneducated comment when it comes down to the, the fitness levels of a, of a county footballer because I know exactly what it, what is required um, 
And then I think he's probably a little bit more passionate the fact that we are getting a few pounds. It's not what I mean getting a few pounds. It's only 400 euros or 600 euros. It's either one or the other. And it's a grant. It's not It's not being paid to do that or anything else. So Jerry's comments are a little bit uneducated when it comes down to the side of the fitness levels. I would feel that, you know, Jerry probably was making comparison to a Kerry league team or something else like that if I'm, if I'm correct on he that. He was talking about initially he started talking about the three or four Kerry footballers he saw a picture of them coming off the field against Donegal in the All-Ireland quarterfinal and said that he didn't think they were lads who were taking training seriously and then Owen put it to him about the quarterfinals and he was like ah you're talking about elite <coughs> footballers now So and then he went on to say that he was more talking about the Carlos and the Wicklows of the world Carlo and I being trained by Anthony Rainbow who is like one of the fittest yeah. individuals I've ever seen I know exactly what, what Carlo are doing because Anthony I was in touch with Anthony um, Jerry should have looked at it you know training is a, pro, is a process and there's no doubt about it you know even looking at Kerry's you know form at the present moment they're under heavy, a very heavy training at the present moment that's the long run and that's the endurance running and they're playing like a team that are a little bit flat but it's a process Jerry Kieran is you know, as he called himself a professional runner down to the years, he knows it's a process. It's step by step. And at present, he judged fellas as they were coming off the field. Now, he used that as an excuse, as far as I'm concerned. Unfortunately, we've been getting, or fortunately, we've been getting the grants the last number of years. Jerry Kieran never opened up his mouth once, but it just happened to coincide that you might have looked, he might have looked at the Kerry team and we are just getting grants and he feels in the, the economy that we're in at the present moment, maybe at least athletes should be getting that rather than the GEA players. Yeah, Mick, I suppose... Um, yeah. There's a couple of things that, that struck me. It, there's been an amazing backlash. I've never seen anything like the backlash against Jerry Gearden. Um So obviously he's touched a nerve yep. with a couple of the points. There is also the, the the start of it where he's like, I don't, I don't particularly like football. I don't think there's much to it, which probably camouflages mm. whatever message there might actually have been in it, and, and yeah, certainly and stoked I, the fires. I, I actually think. Um, through the madness there actually is a point that he's made and, and I was working late the other night and I got into the car and the taxi driver was beating his fists off the fight. he goes did you hear that beep and beep Jerry Kernan is that that woolly headed man off the TV and he's giving out about the lads and they're saying they're fat and this that and the other and he hasn't a clue what he's talking about and I went home and I listened to it and, uh, and I listened to it the next day and I listened to it again this morning and actually there is something in what he said and, and I won't be popular in, for, amongst GA people for saying this but yeah what he's saying about athletes and uh, uh, having a higher level of fitness yes they do but athletics is different because you have to be 110% fit to compete in athletics but you do not need certain things that a Gaelic footballer soccer player hurler need such as touch skill a bit of strength you take knocks you're not, you don't train as much because it's all about your body in athletics and it's all about your body in swimming it's not in Gaelic games or in other, in other sports so he's comparing two things that aren't the same and there, there are supreme levels of fitness at the higher level of, of inter-county sport there is a point where there is a, a kind of camouflage at the moment where the players are demanding some compensation and yes they are well looked after now compared to what they were looked after 10 or 15 years ago and yes they should be getting something but the GA cannot be seen to be giving the players money directly so there's this game going on where money comes from the government to the GA to the GPA to the players and he's making a point and he has a point that how can you justify giving 900 grand of taxpayers money when there's an association that is cash rich that should probably how do their own thing directly with the players when you've a guy who's at international class who has been just taken off the carding scheme for five grand and how can you justify that this guy or girl could be just breaking through into you know kind of European championship level and is it fair to compare him or her who's putting himself through going to wet warm weather training camps off their own bat with a guy who's a sub on the Wicklow Hurling team which is always the thing they give right so yes GA players should get some form of compensation I think there, if you boil down the madness there's actually a point in 
the money going from one place to the other and is it fair to give money to the GA lads directly from government grants and should it be done another way? So it shouldn't be the carousel, the GA should pay And And, and the carousel is there because there's political reasons for that, for that happening because... You, you you can't have a, a thing where if the GA are giving money directly to players well then there'll be uproar amongst grassroots members because there's lads giving hundreds of hours of their time to local clubs and communities and they can't be seen to be doing it so there is a kind of a as you say a carousel or a kind of a musical chairs going on so everybody's happy the GA lobbied for the players they give the, the players get the money it's allocated by the GPA everyone has a job and but if you're an athlete and you've just been taken off the carding scheme or you're a swimmer up at half five in the morning doing 60 hours training a week and you're going, well, how, how in the name of God is that fair? So, like, I, 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 I think in, in the madness of Jerry Kernan and I think it's been boiled down because it's becoming a bit of a... And there are League of Ireland players and George will say this as well who say, oh, the, the gal lads get way over above and beyond the profile of what their talent and fitness... And they say that and, and, and you know... Where, where, and Do you? you? I say it all the time. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's, but it's true. So, like, there, there is a point and it's, it's fascinating because it has opened up a debate and I don't think we should be overly sensitive from a GA perspective. We should take it on. And, and yeah, there is high levels of fitness where does, should the money come and go from yes players do need to be looked after but there's a bigger picture as well George taking all this on board as a soccer player what do you make of the, the row that's erupted I thought maybe it was a little bit of a cheap dig at the at the GA lads you know I thought um, what he said really coming from where he's coming from his background in sport and the sacrifices the word I'm afraid to use I promised myself I wouldn't use when I came here but the sacrifice the lads do give in the GA is obviously Amazing. Myself recently, I retired recently because of night training with my family. I just didn't get no time to spend with my family, and the boys are doing this all the time. And for him to come out really and disrespect them in that way, I thought really was bad form, really. And I just thought it was certainly just a cheap, cheap dig. And it kind of ruined the rest of his argument at that stage. <laughs> yeah, but that's what happens because he, the way he just carried on and carried on, it just at the end, I think people just, you know, kind of came a joke, really. And it did anger a lot of lads. I spoke to a couple of the Cork uh, hurlers um, last night, actually, they were training, and uh, you know the lads were just saying they couldn't believe what he said and they didn't have nice things to say about him anyway Owen Callaghan had a great tweet about uh, how he's gone training to uh, have a few beers chew the fat with the lads and then off to McDonald's afterwards yeah, but, I, but I, I think the argument's been lost in, in the fact that he he cheapened himself by, by going down and I don't even like football yeah. anyway and and, and, the lads are, and the lads are fat and you know he he's obsessed by athletics and he lives breathes and that's fine but he, he's, he lost the debate by getting into the pettiness of it but as I said if you strip it all away there is something in, in what he's saying uh, Aaron what do you make of the three card trick that goes on with the funding then where ultimately the taxpayer picks up the bill for the grants to the players when Mick says the cash rich GA should actually be, be could easily step in there so this yeah. wouldn't even be an issue yeah, um, Mick touching on it there very, very well. You know what I mean? You know, the traditionalists of, of the world, of the GEA world, would hate to see players getting paid. And players have never wanted to get paid, have never, ever asked of that. You know, I'm, I've you touched on it there at the start. I've played 19 years. When I started off, it's like, oh, we got nothing. Apart from a T-shirt and possibly a tracksuit, that was as good as you were going to get. But at the same time, we knew that other teams were getting a little bit more and they're being well looked after. They might have been getting a meal afterwards. And the GPA then all of a sudden was set up. The GPA is a representation of the players and the players never ever once or the GPA ever never once asked for players to get paid. We brought in the word elite. Elite athletes all of a sudden came on board and when we talked about, you can talk about elite athletes in uh, athletics, you can talk about it in show jumping, you can talk about it in boxing. We all all of a sudden became in as amateur elite athletes. So the, the title really came, you know, as the process went on and, you know, where 
the GPS saw it was an opportunity to make a few pounds for the players or the players to get a grant to put towards whatever it may be. Um, it started off quite, you know, quite well. I think it was 3.3 million that came in at the very, very start. Now it's down to 900,000. 900,000 share between the amount of players that are out there, both hurling and football, it works out about €400. Euro. Now, €400 euro right now is not going to get me mm. possibly a pair of boots and a good, decent dinner in a restaurant. That's what it's going to get me for my sacrifices that I make. I don't want to use the word, as George said there, I don't want to use the word, but that's what we're talking about. So what is it? What does it really come down to? I just think Kira, um, Jerry's Jerry's points were, were a little bit bitter and he... Known by knowing him and looking at him and watching him on TV he tends to shoot from the hip a lot of the times and I think in this case and taking on the two boys he shot from the hip he shot himself in the foot he has a valid point to a certain degree but it's up to maybe athletics to do something about it to fight their corner for them to set up a GPA equivalent and fight for their corner because if you want to go down the road of saying well what um, athletes have we got and I don't want to start pointing fingers mm. how successful have we been in regards yeah. athletics in fairness to him he did say that there were a lot of athletes getting cash that he didn't think deserved to get cash so he, he was, he yeah, was well, shooting all, everybody and anybody that uh, he can name and shame if he wants to start pointing fingers let him start pointing fingers at the athletic side of things first and then if he wants to make comparison to something else I think he should get his own house in order yeah. first before he starts making I, I do think in fairness to him he is pretty good at pointing out anybody who thinks hasn't um, and the athletes tend to have as much distaste for him as it turns out the GAA community does yeah, at the moment a, as well there's a lot of mixed opinion on him in, in athletic circles as, as you, you probably know but look the, the GP have done a fantastic job to build up the the, the Rights of the of the G, of the, the Gaelic footballer and hurler, and the GA are do a fantastic job in distributing funds across. The, it's just the where the state money is going, and is that the correct route to go? Um, the GA in a very difficult situation in this particular one. But if I do take, there is an element of of truth in what he's saying around the distribution of state funds and where it should go. Yes, the top class GA players are elite and they should be looked after in some way, shape, but it's where the money comes from. I think is probably what he was trying to say amongst this is. Uh, Twisted, probably should have said that bitterness. <laughs> <laughs> George, should League of Ireland players get uh, get grants? Do they get any grants? No, I think lately I've been uh, really trying to help out the lads in that kind of sense because I think the League of Ireland players are really struggling at the minute. Um, situation really for a lot of the lads is dire. You know, they don't get paid over Christmas. They're on like getting a dole for over the Christmas period, which is tough on any lads. You know, and you know I think the League of Ireland has come to stage you now where really it's just going to be going back to part time, back to the old days. Really, the way it's going. So. Um, you know, and it's disappointing to see that. You know, going back to Jerry, you know, I don't know what he's trying to say because I think as a country we get more enjoyment out of the GA than anything. You know, you, you played a bit of GA as a kid. Yeah, no, I did. I did a try to, you know, and, and I played like Sean Og was probably the best athlete I've ever played and trained with. With all the soccer players I played with, the whole lot, I've never seen an athlete like him. You know, and I think recently I was reading up about the pro zone in England where they do fifteen kilom or Premiership players are doing fifteen kilometers in a game. And there's lads in Crow Park in the Gaelic football doing 17 kilometres in 70 minutes. So straight away, like the, the point of that blows Jerry out of the water, mm. wherever he's saying about them lads, you know. So, no, definitely. But getting back to the League of Ireland lads, I think certainly they need help. Um, I don't know where they're going to get it from. But is it just that their players' union isn't as strong as the, the GPA, for example? Or maybe, like, the GPA can obviously point to a million people watching on TV for the Ireland finals. Uh, 160,000 through two games in Croke Park every September guaranteed as well so it's a much bigger stage I'm not I'm not going to get any admirers for this but I think the League of Ireland is down through the years is just a click and I think it's the same face as running it year in year out and it needs a big change I think people are happy with their jobs and they're all happy looking after each other the same amount of people and I think people need to come in they need to freshen it up 
and start again and help the younger kids coming through because I think when you're an 18 year old 19 year old now and you're encouraged to go on the dole and maybe get 50 euro a week and say you're training one day a week I don't think that's a good way to go into your adult adult to be a work, worker and, and learn how to earn your money and appreciate your money you know? so, so after your League of Ireland career you're not really prepared for anything then no for instance I, I actually um, I sent two lads to Cambridge this week and they were supposed they were going to go on or actually go on the 4th and 5th of March and I spoke to um, the manager Judge George Center, the lads are going over and he said oh they can't come them two days because our lads are gone getting their coaching badges you know you, that never happens in League of Ireland there's 18 year olds come in and they just get used and then they're gone and they've got nothing but at least in Cambridge in a non-league club like that his team his team of 18 and 19 year olds were gone it wasn't that the coaches were gone they were all going to get their coaching yeah, badges yeah all the players all the 17, 18 year olds and that's a Cambridge that's a non-league club in England so I don't understand why we can't do that in Ireland and surely the government will look at things like that if they are helping kids to get badges and and co- and you know they go to college as well so why can't we do that in here you know I just don't understand it maybe somebody will write to me or tell me one of these days but I really think what the crack is. Done. Okay, I've got to just bring in some of the texts here. Uh, most over 40 elite athletes would beat any inter-county GEA player over 5k. I think we need to bring back um, superstars so that we can actually have these competitions. Yeah, I'd, I'd, in fairness, I probably would agree with that. In fairness, you'd have to agree with it, but as Mick touched on it there, it's the condition of the game. Like, you know, I'm in there. If I asked an athlete, if I asked Jerry Kieran to run from, to catch a ball underneath his crossbar and run the length of the field, by God, Jerry wouldn't get 20 yards because he'll be shouldered, he'll be tackled, and he'd be out of gas by the time he gets halfway. It's a different conditioning completely. They're running straight, they're running straight lines on a road, on a track, wherever it may be. For me, it's turning and twisting. Um, beating a tackle, hand passing, supporting, taking body the check, taking the tackle, and it's it's a different type of conditioning. Mm. But if you want me to run for five k, and it's like here McGinney touching it there, it's like the Australians when they came over. If you want to box, we'll box. But if you want to play football, we'll also play football. And that's the type of thing we can prepare ourselves for. So to have the argument to saying about who's fitter, who's who's um, who's more fitter, it's it's a it's a stupid argument mm. it's a petty argument as far as I'm concerned yeah David Mead says the grant issue is separate to the outright contempt that Jerry displayed for GAA players numerous athletes on Twitter raised legitimate concerns without insulting half the country Jerry's comments were downright ignorant I think that might be um, why we've got bogged down in a lot of it uh, Mike says so Jerry Kiernan says there's not much to Gaelic football it's a bit rich coming from a marathon runner what's exciting about a bunch of skinny people <laughs> running around in circles for two hours well, that's all our marathon runners uh, out there pissed off as well this afternoon A. <laughs> uh, in Wexford says good old fashioned Irish jealousy Jerry wants the government money diverted from the single greatest social and sporting organisation in the country possibly the world in order to give extra money to niche sports little more than hobbies in some cases can you name 10 athletes in the last 20 years we could honestly call world class if I take up sumo wrestling and I'm the best of the three sumo wrestlers in the country does that make me an international I mean it's, it's um, it has had the impact of getting people to uh, <coughs> to um, come at each other's throats as opposed to unifying Irish sport here. Yeah, but it, it doesn't have to be like the GA against everybody else. Like, you know, like let's have an intelligent debate around, you know, sports funding and grants and let's not get into pettiness and, you know, lads walking and 50k walking and it's the craziest sport in the world. Like, I still respect those guys for what they do and but they're not going to be able to kick the ball off the ground 45 yards over the bar. It's a different skill and, and you know, I think people need to respect that and, yeah, the GA does an unbelievable job and it is a unique organisation in terms of what it does, the social fabric of the, of the country and communities and stuff like that. But, you know, okay, if we want to have a debate around where the money goes and how it's distributed and who should get what, that's fine. But let's not get petty and call an inter-county elite footballers fat. You know, it just doesn't get anywhere, I don't think. Uh, or marathon runners boring. Or marathon runners boring, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, it's half-time in the uh, game between Cross McLennan and Bridget's. Uh, it's a two-point lead for Cross McLennan at half-time, Oshin Langan. 
It is indeed. Crossbow Glen Rangers 1-5, St. Bridget's 1-3. Since you were last with me, Kyle Carraher got a good score for Cross to make it 1-3 to 1-2. In the 20th minute, uh, Senning Kilbride scores a free after drawing the foul himself to make it 1-3 apiece. In the 25th minute, Kyle Brennan scored a fantastic point from an angle after shaking off a tackle. He had replaced Oshin McConville earlier in the half. Now, Oshin wasn't limping or anything on the way off, but he was speaking to the physio when he got to the uh, bench so I wonder was it an injury after that Frankie Dolan missed two gimme frees for Bridgets one of which hit the post that was the second time they struck the woodwork in the half on the 29th minute Jamie Clark got an excellent score despite the fact that a Bridgets player was hanging off him so the score at the break is cross 1-5 Bridgets 1-3 the goals by the way coming first for St. Bridgets and Frankie Dolan who got uh, their first score of the game with that goal he received a fantastic pass from McHugh in the square he was in the middle of the square he rattled the shot away it deflected past Hertie who could do nothing to stop it Paul Hughes, by the way, got the goal for Cross McGlenn after a fantastic run up the park. McHugh's, McHugh is a corner back, or Hughes, I beg your pardon, is a corner back. He ran up the park, gave it to Jamie Clark. Clark passed it back to him, and he smashed it past Shane Curran. Shane Curran is 41, but it wouldn't matter if he was 20 and 10 foot tall. He wouldn't have been able to stop this. A fantastic game of football. The wind is causing a lot of trouble, particularly for Cross in the first half. It's kind of going across the park, and they've kicked six wides, and you would say that... An, in at least uh, four of those occasions they probably should have got the score or they would do under normal circumstances Bridget's were doing well on the wide count up until about 20 minutes into the first half and all of a sudden they started kicking in to beat the band they've kicked uh, four uh, two of them coming from freeze from Frankie Dolan so the score at the break in a very entertaining AIB All-Ireland Club semi-final at Cusack Park in Mullingar is Cross McGlenn Rangers 1-5 St. Bridget's 1-3 Thanks for that, Oshin. We'll keep a close eye on that one in the second half and uh, await the return of Oshin McConville. Peter Canavan style in the second half as well. 53106 is the uh, text number. Our panel are staying with us. We're going to talk about the uh, funereal atmosphere at Lansdowne Road last weekend for the visit of England in the Six Nations and uh, atmospheres and stadiums generally. If you want to get involved, uh, you can text us 53106. News Talk Sport, Saturday, in association with UPC. The fibre power network with 50 meg broadband as standard. Okay, you're very welcome back to News Talk Sports Saturday. Our uh, panel this afternoon, Georgia Callan, Eamon O'Hara and uh, Mick O'Keefe. When we're talking, we've already been talking about Jerry Kiernan. You can keep your text coming in about that if you want. But we're moving on to um, the situation last week. Uh, Irish rugby fans and Irish sports fans generally have been talking about this possibly to the detriment of analysing just how poor Ireland's performance was against England but the crowd are the ones who are getting most of the uh, the negative press this week because the atmosphere was so poor um, it came up it came up all week really um, Alan Quinlan's column was talking about seeing people outside at half time drinking and watching the game on the screen as opposed to actually going back out to watch the game that was happening mm-hmm. that they'd paid 80 quid or that somebody had paid 80 quid for them to go and see Mick your t- take on this yeah, well, Billy Keane has a piece in the Indo today as well, actually, which is more or less identical. And I, I have to say, when I, when I read it the other day, I was pretty angry when I read it because I, I was at the game and, you know, the atmosphere was okay at the start of the match. Um, it was a couple of things. It was a Sunday match at three o'clock. It was lashing rain. It was a lot of uncovered seats, right? So a lot of people were getting wet. The team knocked the ball on six or seven times in the first half, which completely took the wind out of any atmosphere that was going to be there anyway. People were absolutely freezing. And, you know, yeah, it wasn't a fantastic atmosphere, but I don't think it was as bad as it was made out to be. And one other thing, and I had a bee in my bonnet about it, and I've kind of calmed down a little bit about it, is, like, I just think, and I know Alan put in a few caveats in his piece, and he's supposed to be a good guy and all that, but, 
you know, he's talking about the commercialization of rugby and how this is to the detriment of the atmosphere and the old South Stan or South Terrace in the in the Lansdowne and that. Um, you know, for a guy who has done quite well out of that through his Munster days and Irish days, and fair play to him. Who is getting paid to be there from a media perspective? Who also does hospitality on the day? I just think it's slightly, maybe, I wouldn't say ironic, but maybe slightly disingenuous to be having a cut then. And I know he's, he put a few caveats in there, but to me, you know, okay, lads were huddling outside having a pint and having a burger and watching the thing when he should have been inside cheering on the team. And, you know, this Billy Keane was saying, do you sign this pact when you get your ticket to be there for evermore? Like things have changed. People are, you know, they're on their phones and they're doing other things. They're listening to ref radio, and it's just different to the way it was. And I don't think anybody has the right to turn around and say, "You spend your ninety quid, you have to act this way." I think act whatever way you want to act with with the way you want to be at that match. Yeah, we'd all love to be there back in the day with our clackers waving on the team and shouting and being loyal to the last. But it's different, and I don't think Alan. Maybe I think he maybe slightly overstepped the mark. I thought. Eamon, um I don't know if you're a big rugby fan. Were you no, what? Yeah. I like it. Yeah. yeah. Um, did, watching the game, were you conscious of the fact that the atmosphere was poor? I wasn't at the game, but I did watch it. And <clears throat> Mick touched on it. And in fairness to Alan Quillen, he did touch on it. He did say, like, Ireland have very, very little, the supporters had little to shout about with all the mistakes and everything else. I'd have to agree with him, though, a little bit. I can see it coming in the last number of years that, you know, people now seem to be. It's there's two almost two types. There's a social element coming into it. I've got I know people went to the game the last day that never once went to a rugby game but managed to get a ticket through their friend through a corporate side of things. And I know there's a guy that's down in Sligo that was actually trying to raise money for the local club, running a disco, and he couldn't get a game. Or he couldn't get a ticket to get to the game. So, you know, where are these ticket allocations going to? A lot of people it seems to be now that it's the in thing to do. It's almost like a social scene to be going to the rugby you know, I was there, great, I'll put it up on Facebook, I'll put it up on Twitter, blah, blah, blah. Their genuine supporter is missing out, I think, a little bit, just at the present moment. Going back to Mick's point, <clears throat> I don't know, Mick, were you in Crow Park when Ireland came, mm-hmm. when Ireland played England for the first time? Yeah. Now, that atmosphere will probably never, ever be beaten. Yeah. But if you put in a percentage versus last week, was it was it 20% of that that atmosphere, that build-up, yeah. that hole. And I suppose where Alan is coming from, that's what should be there. It's the biggest... In fairness, Ireland-England is the biggest game you'll ever get, apart from maybe in a World Cup, for the next four years. Yeah. That, that's the hunger of the There was the a game. Grand Slam on the line, really. Yeah. Like, there was an opportunity, the last ever Grand Slam chance that Brian O'Driscoll is ever going to have was on the line, and the Irish fans couldn't be arsed getting out for the second half or cheering the team when it was 6-all. Yeah, well, and for like, very good you know, side, I would, yeah. I would defend, I would, where I'm coming from, too, I see it a little bit in GEA as well. Like you know, we mm-hmm. talk about the dubs coming a little bit late into the games, and because they're in the pub, whatever it may be. So it's happening not alone in Gaelic, in or in rugby, it's happening in Gaelic, and probably other sports too. When it comes down to stadiums are coming in with the soccer, but it just seems to be, it's just missing something. And I think that there's a different supporter going to the game. Mm-hmm. It's just to go to say I was there rather than go and at, you know, I love going watching it, seeing the warm up, taking in over everything that's happened, trying to learn something from maybe from a warm up that I might yeah. bring home. I, I, I totally agree with that, right? But the problem with these games now is that during the warm up, there's a bunch of idiot dancers. The tannoy is like playing crap music. It's because and yeah, they're shouting at you to go. Oh, you must be supporting the, the team now. Whereas yeah, if it was it, silent, you could actually pay attention to what's going on and start getting nervous and get that energy going. But like mm. the genuine supporter, and I don't know, or you might be the same. The genuine supporter doesn't really heed that. I, it's part of the. the it's annoying. You can't actually talk to people. Yes, that's true too. That's a valid point. But is that there to entertain the 
the once a, once a year person or the once in a lifetime person that comes to the game. Rugby has always been, uh, I think, uh, uh, an event to go to, um, and it has always had that corporate element to it. But like, again, you know, there was so little to cheer about, you know, and on a miserable Sunday afternoon, and like if it's seven o'clock on a Sunday, a Saturday evening, I guarantee it would have been a different atmosphere. Um, I do take the point that people are coming in late and people aren't paying attention and there's all this everything but the game nearly distraction which has been done there but I just I just thought it was a little bit over the top personally I thought his comments I think with Alan I, I really love Alan he, you know he's been a fantastic rugby player but I think everyone down in Munster and down Cork direction we all have um, Roy King syndrome so we're always moaning we're never happy <laughs> and when we retire we just blame the fans so I think <laughs> That, that's my opinion um, I think with rugby rugby's just got to move at the times you know they obviously are going down the soccer route with the games like you, on a Sunday now you watch, you can watch on Sky Sports 1 you literally can watch the Heineken Cup the whole day so yeah. it's amazing that that's happened from I think people have to realise as well maybe 10-15 years ago you had the Six Nations would be the big game of the year you maybe had two or three mm-hmm. in Dublin now there's a big game every, coming up every few weeks you know there's probably, there's probably 40 big games with the Heineken Cup and arguably I'd rather watch Champions League football than watch international football. Mm-hmm. And same at rugby, I'd rather watch the Heineken Cup. So, and I do think Munster and Leinster and Connacht and Ulster, them fans get behind province. the mm. province rather than the, than the international team. Uh, it's totally a really good point. Yeah, it's, a, it's a really good point. We've discussed this before about the club. If, thing, it's, yeah. if it's Italy or if it's Scotland, but this was England. Yeah. This was an England team coming to Dublin. But what was worse, Ger, I, I thought was, I was at the Leinster-Claremont game before Christmas and Leinster, the scratch team, but that was do or die for Leinster that day two-time back-to-back European champions and there was not a whisper out of the crowd with 25 minutes to go. In fact, people started getting onto the onto the team with 25 minutes to go, which didn't help at all. It just created nervousness and Claremont blew them off the park. And that, to me, was nearly more of a sin, e- even though the whole club thing is that you get with the provincial teams and the Heineken Cup. But, you know... They I thought the Claremont did, fans were amazing that day. They, they were unbelievable. Yeah. But the, the, the Leinster fans kind of gave up. I, I, I the, the English fans were also amazing the last they time. Were, yeah. I, 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 I walked away after when you knock on the radio in the car and you could hear them say, I don't know, I don't know sure what station I was listening to, but you could hear them swinging sweet clothes, swing chariot. Uh-huh. And it was very, very loud. And, you know, people were booing and hissing or whatever else. But in fairness, they supported their team, you know, better than the Irish did on the day. Alan, uh, text here. Alan talks about the weather not being an excuse. I'm sorry, but that rain last week was cat. It's miserable to be in. There's no getting away from it. I can understand lads not rushing out to their seats before a game when there's a comfortable bar inside. Lads pay their money. We can't demand things from lads paying so much for tickets. Uh, I'm not on the side of everyone blaming the modern stadium, but one of the things is the terraces are gone. We used to all gather and 10 or 15 would go to the game together. That immediately takes away any inhibitions. Now there's two of us together at every game surrounded by strangers, which is a big issue. I think um, Ken was talking about this uh, during the week, the de-individuation of uh, the modern day stadium. I had to look that one up. Uh, It's uh, an unwillingness to lose yourself in the moment, effectively. Um, because you're surrounded by strangers and yeah. you are kind of sitting there going yeah and then the guy beside you is like ugh it's a good complaint really it was a sellout it wasn't as if there was like 10,000 empty seats you know what I mean so yeah. you know if you look at the I suppose the international soccer team there's empty seats all the time now so and I think fans can do what they want they pay their mm-hmm. money it's a day out you know people travel all, all from all around Ireland come to these games so if they want to stay and have an extra drink then it's their priority I think if the team can't be inspired by themselves on the pitch and they need their fans help then I think you know that's just a, a really bad excuse Good atmospheres in um, League of Ireland games over the years that kind of stand out for you? Um, we, we've had some great ones um, I think 
Turners Cross, not because I'm from Cork, I'm very biased towards Cork, but uh, Turners Cross is a, is a fantastic stadium, it's probably the best for the League of Ireland. Um, we've had some great nights when we won the league and we had a couple of good cup finals with Derry, or cup semi-finals with Derry and all that. But And what about playing in England? Uh, Ipswich was amazing, you know, we could get 30, 35,000 some games at Ipswich, you know, and fantastic stadium, Portman Road, and I was lucky we, I got to play in the Millennium Stadium in the, uh, with Port Vale and I played a few good games like that in the Epic Cups, but... The, I think the football fans are different because they have the chanting and you know in the, in the football world probably the, um, the chanting and the abuse you get is a bit more uh, malicious than in the rugby or in the GA so, um, And were you a good man for um, taking the malicious abuse? Did you enjoy it or was it something that kind of I know I enjoyed it when I was younger you know because I, I suppose I was kind of Kind of a trait, kind of creating a persona for myself. But um, when my wife and kids started coming to games and <laughs> they're asking me like, "Why does Dad drink and drive, Mum?" It's like uh, it wasn't the best uh, things to explain to my kids. So, kind of near the end of my career, I kind of uh, stopped bringing the family. So <laughs> everyone stopped going. That so. was the answer to that. But you didn't stop with the persona. <laughs> no, I'm kind of keeping that going at the minute. See how far I get. Aaron, for you, does a particular college championship game stand out? Um, well, you know. Connacht semi-final and final is always you know they're always big um, you know what I mean not, not, not that we've got huge support it's just that the, the closeness of the stadiums that you'd be playing in like Hyde Park when we played uh, when we actually won in 2007 when we won the Connacht final you know what I mean it, it, it's just an unbelievable roar but actually we played um, Kildare, Kildare last year in the in the qualifiers and it was a, a horrendous performance on Sligo's behalf but the support from Kildare was deafening like the, you know when those supporters really, really get behind the team. They travel in huge numbers. Like I don't, I've, I've, I've played against most teams, and they're the one team that will travel for a meaningless game or for an All Ireland final. They will travel in numbers, and they're always vocal. So you know when you are playing against Clare, but games can be it can be up and down. Like I was in, I was at the uh, our own Sligo match last week against Antrim in the, in in, in Sligo Marquish Park, and there wasn't a boo when the two teams walked <coughs> out. You know, you could hear people talking further up the stand and stuff like that. There wasn't even a cheer or a clap. Yeah, you know, it's does that get does so the two atmospheres, the compare and contrast the Kildare game with the Antrim game. Does that have an impact on the team? Well, you would. You run out. I've run out in the field, and you wouldn't hear a clap. You could hear two people maybe in the terraces just giving two claps and saying, "Come on, Sligo!" Like when you start saying. Jesus, don't don't shout abuse at us because we can go up and sort you out type of thing. But that is the facts. They're the facts of it. But again, you have to give them something to shout about. Dublin is different. Dublin, the, the, when 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 um, uh, Hill Sixteen or whatever it's called now is 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 full, the support they give the team is 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 scary. You know, I remember playing in two thousand, I think two thousand and two or two thousand and three against Dublin, and uh, you could feel the the vi- vibration coming from the hill like you can just sort of it was my first sort of experience of playing against Dublin in, in Crow Park and yeah. it was it was frightening it was really frightening You've had the support of the hill from time to time Mick? Yeah I suppose it, I didn't play enough to get used to it it's kind of it's a funny one as a young as a young Dublin player it's kind of can go either way to be honest because you come on and you kind of have a bit of a there's nearly a numbness it's kind of hard to explain because it's so big and there's this noise and I, I think it takes a few games and that's why I think this spring series helps the Dublin lads enormously because they get used to that 30-40 thousand crowd if you come on as a young flan in, in a championship environment and back then it was knockout it, it, you're kind of it, it, you're a bit bunny in the headlights it does take yeah. time to get used to and there is this wall of noise that comes down and I, I do think um, 
Dublin uh, in the summertime on big match day, Leinster final days, All Ireland semi final day, there is it is quite special, um, and it doesn't have to be just be Dublin. But I think there is something about Dublin matches where there's a noise, um, and particularly if it's up against a Tyrone football or style chanting. <laughs> there is, and and and, and I, I think as well. I think the Irish soccer thing. I I, I think back in the nineties and and that, and if you go away to an Irish soccer match, the atmosphere is absolutely fantastic, and maybe that is something that the rugby guys are missing. But on the other side, you know, remember, you know, in Rovers we were bottom of the league and in the RDS and it's a big place and about four fellas at the match and mm. you know you try something and you're young you're only 20 and <laughs> lad calling you Zico and telling you to go home <laughs> you know who do you think you are and that's nice and like you know so it's a lo- it can be a lonely place but the League of Ireland I, I, I think you know those small intimate venues and again it comes down to the Markovic Parks or the Parnell Parks or Turner's Cross and that and I think the nighttime stuff and you know I think Cork won a Satanta Cup a few years ago and it was an unbelievable atmosphere at the game and there's flares and you know that kind of thing I, I think there's something in that those nice tight intimate atmosphere the ones I always remember playing in are club matches under lights with 7,000 people packed rather than you know yeah. well, I try and forget the yeah. four people in the RDS <laughs> I, I, played, I played in Longford one night, one night and Longford don't get the best of crowds and they uh, <laughs> I think they had 10 lads that just came just to stand to abuse me for the whole night <laughs> so I was like please like, let there be a bit of Cork City fans to drown out but on the night it was raining there was no Cork City fans and I got that much abuse that the two sentiment fielders for Langford spent the whole second half apologising to me no, and right. I'm sorry George sorry for this and sorry I was like, oh, there's no problem lads and they were like oh no this shouldn't be happening at all you know? and it was like, I was like counting down the minutes going please get me off this pitch so, how did you play? Uh, probably terrible like <laughs> I was probably more interested in what they were saying than, than the game than so I did. the abuse works then that's the, that's the lesson no no it one. does I do, I do think it does get to players so, you know especially in the latter part of my career when things kind of hit home a bit more I think it, it kind of hits you especially in those small stadiums you know and I think even with the GA with your yeah. club games I, I think maybe when people shout things at you that hits you more than yeah, when you're playing for yeah exactly for, for I, especially when it's your own fans yeah well, that's <laughs> a, I know that feeling too. or your dad <laughs> I, I, I remember one of my first times was down in Ballyraggart in Kilkenny we were down we had playing league, Kilkenny in a league game now that's a that wouldn't be a surprise the for locals anyone. call it Bally Regret Bally no Regret <laughs> absolutely but actually the hurlers were playing before in Kilkenny hurlers and we came in on the bus and there was about five, six thousand people down at this game we were saying God uh, you know this will be great it'll be a great atmosphere so we went out in the field you know after we after we took Talked out and the hurling match was over and we ran out in the field and there wasn't a soul <laughs> and there's only one person my father actually had come down and had drove down to support us and he was the only man standing in the hole of the stand oh not right. a Kilkenny person to be seen but like that was for me as a young fellow it was a reality check and you sort of say you know this is what we're up to you know you try and change the attitudes of people the glamorous life of a, an intercounty yeah, footballer exactly. worth every penny of the 400 euro that you're getting yeah. <laughs> ten, 10 cents a minute an hour yeah. um, there's been a massive response to this lads I'm going to get to some of the texts and tweets before we go uh, one of the other issues that we're going to talk about a little bit later on in the programme is Robbie Keane this week has come out and said that he wants to manage uh, there aren't enough managers coming through who are Irish and we have to fix that and he wants to be one of the players to fix that do you think Robbie Keane's going to be a good manager George? he could you know I don't see him as manager kind of type, but um, he easily could. Uh, he's been around, he knows his stuff. Um, it'd be interesting. I think a lot of people get on Robbie's back, you know, recently in the last few years, but um, you know, he's got every chance. I think you look at some people, you don't expect them to be managers and end up being better than you than you think, you know, and then you see people like Graham Soonis and Roy Keane who really struggle when they go into management, mm-hmm. you know, so no, he's got every chance. I, l- I would love to see him do it. Would he be as good as the current Irish manager? I think I would be as good as him. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I think I think Robbie Keane is a you know I, I think I could see him being a fantastic coach for young guys. He's really energetic and look, he's played for Liverpool, Celtic, Inter Milan. No, not for long periods with any of them, but he's been around and mm. you know he's played at the highest level. He's our top scorer of all time. We give him stick, but you know I I think why not? I can see him in a coaching capacity rather than I don't I can't see him. 
and I may have been doing him a disrespect here, but I don't see him being an Arsene Wenger type manager. But then again, yeah. When, when you watch the League of Ireland, do you think um, it's the same faces, same managers all the time? Do you think we could bring through maybe like yeah. you know people like Joe Gamble and these lads mm-hmm. and Colin Healy, and give them a chance? The own Harry's now is there is it their their turn to come in and Big try time. freshen up the league rather than having the merry go round that it's a safe bet. Yeah, what happens is you get you have the same fellas doing this, doing it, and you know better than I do. And they're they're going from Atlone to to Drogheda back to yeah. Galway to you know, and and there are these young fellas come through. But if you're running a club, you're going to go for the safe bet. You know this guy is going to be there three days a week. He's going to have some level of professionalism. But you'd love to see some of the younger ex-players coming through because they bring in a huge yeah, amount of friends and that's what yeah. the League of Ireland needs yeah what's the needs that's what yeah. I think is that, yeah. Yeah, but that's just after happening in, in, um, in GA at the present moment it was for years it was yeah. sort of the old the old timer that was have all the experience in the world now in the last number of years your Kevin Walters your Kieran mm. McGuinness um, your Jason Ryans of this world have Jim actually McGinnis. come in Jim McGuinness for yeah. example Jim they're Gavin Pack they're all young exactly young they're young you guys know? that have yeah. played in the last 10 years so they know what's happening their fingers on the pulse so it's important to keep and it's, it, it's vital I think in soccer to get that and is that in you're thinking at all Eamon or am I uh, I'm still a footballer am I hastening yeah. you out the door a bit too soon you're, was pushing, that you're pushing me like everybody yeah, I know I'm only joking it was something you, you'd definitely consider at the same time I always ask the question how come no GEA player has gone into refereeing well they're, they're going to start they're going to start moving them that's part of the, the it's another argument you know what I mean yeah, yeah. but it's you know you have to ask that question. Everybody no, wants. No one's going to argue manager. with you. And uh, <laughs> Jer- Jerry, no, Ke- Jerry Cairns could be a referee. <laughs> <laughs> Lads, on that note, my thanks to George O'Callaghan, Damon O'Hara, and Michael Keith on our panel this afternoon. We'll be right back after these. News Talk Sport Saturday in association with UPC, the Fibre Power Network with True On Demand TV.